Well, good morning. Look at this crowd. Somebody invited somebody to church, didn't they? Come on. That's awesome. We want to welcome each and every one of y'all to Friends and Family Day. And it's going to be a great day. Um, thank you for inviting someone. Because it not only is a day of maybe fun, but this could be a day that could change somebody in this room's life. And that's really the reason why we, we did this all together. But it's going to be fun. We got food trucks out front there. There's tacos and barbecue. I'm about to get both of those. Come on, I couldn't make up my mind, so I said, let's just try them both. How about that? But we're going to have games and bounce houses, so stick around after church. It's going to be fun. And guys, next Saturday, we're having a Final Four party. Come on, at 5 o'clock, we're going to have wings, and we're going to have pizza. We're going to eat everything that's not good for us because the women can't be around to tell us not to eat that. Right or wrong? And another thing, too, is Duke, unfortunately, made it into the Final Four. Hopefully, somebody else is going to stomp on the devil's head, too. The peacocks are. Come on. Y'all ready for that? Oh, let's go on here before I get myself in trouble. But uh, who's ready for the message today? Anybody? Come on. All right, about 12 of you. That's awesome. We're ready to go. But the title of my message today is called The Power of One. If you're looking around here, you think of the, uh, the number one. It, you know, it's kind of a low number. It's kind of by itself, it's alone, but here's the thing about the number one, it's the number one sequence that starts all counting sequences, right? I know somebody says zero technically, but you got to have one to start, right? But it's the beginning and starting point, point. and even though it's small, I want to tell you something this morning, there is power in one. Just look around you right now, there is power in one. Let me look here at John 3.16, everyone, if you don't know this one, you need to get it tattooed on you, but you need to memorize it. John 3.16 in the NIV says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave his one and only Son for you. And when he came, Jesus accepted the mission to seek and to save that which was lost. His mission was also to die for the whosoever's. Can you look around and, and find out who the whosoever's are in this place? Look to your neighbor and say, you're a whosoever. Come on, he came just for you. And here's the good thing. If he hadn't have come, he would have come just for one. It's not about the numbers all the time. Even though Jesus is, is very concerned about the numbers, it's not about all that. The Bible says he is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what sex you are. He came and died, and if it was only for you. Let me look at this. The fact, let me show you this. In Luke 15, it says this. You all are going to get some Bible. You got, already got a bunch of Bible. You're going to get Genesis to Revelations this morning. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Imagine that. I can remember we started something about 11 years ago called the Refuge Kentucky in Mount Washington, Kentucky. Come on, anybody remember those days? Well, let me tell you what. I'm going to give you a little backstory. It, did, it wasn't always for youth. When Pastor Mindy and I got together, we got a vision of reaching people like us. You know what people like us are? Jacked up, messed up, imperfect. We wanted to meet those people that had been looked down upon on society. We wanted to be, uh, to meet those people right where they were at and show them, you know, listen, you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to have it all together. You just have to be able to come to God. You've been hurt by life. People, anybody been hurt by life out there? 
How many of y'all are perfect out there? You better not get your hand up or you're going to have to come to altar call right now. But everybody's imperfect and everybody's been hurt by life. Let's look at verse 3. So he spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he came home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there is more joy in heaven, listen, over one sinner who repents and over 99 just persons who need no repentance. It's about one, and you got to understand something. At one point, you were that lost sheep. At one time, you were that person. He went, and he came looking for you. Isn't that great? You're the one, and you are important. The example, this example shows... Jesus is doing miracles, right? His ministry has just started. He's blowing up. He's got big crowds coming to him, and, and he's becoming famous. Anybody know anybody famous in here? I don't. But uh, he's becoming famous. But here's what he didn't do. He didn't let that go to his head. He understood what his mission was, and he left the big crowds for the one. Here's an example in John. Here's our story today. In John 4, 3, he says he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Listen to that. What? Because in Matthew, I should have did that a little bit better. What? Matthew 10 says this. This is what he's telling to his disciples. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go to the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, I want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But you know what happened when he went to the lost sheep of Israel? The religious establishment got up against him. The people were starting looking down at him. They thought they knew more. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. His own hometown didn't have, didn't want to have anything to do with him. He said, I couldn't do anything because nobody believed in me in my own hometown he couldn't do any miracles when his when he was rejected by his own the mission changed listen to me i'm slowing down here just a little bit the mission got redirected it charted a new course but it didn't stop so many times things can change the message never changes jesus is our message that's one of our core values here. Jesus is the only way to salvation. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ to salvation. But listen, the blood and the cross, they're still relevant and they're still powerful. And so many times we don't hear those words in the church right now, but it's still relevant to us. But listen also to this. The message never changes, but the methods can Fear and intimidation are not working. Standing up with a sign saying God hates everyone is not working to draw in. You're coming to church, you go into that church that's going to stand outside and tell you God hates you. But I'm going to tell you something. Fear and intimidation do not work anymore. And also, you know, the, good, the Bible says the goodness of God draws men to repentance. And you know, what we got to understand is God is good and he loves you. Oh, let me go on here. I'm, relationship over religion. Sometimes the Bible says a love covers a multitude of sins. 
You know, so many times we want to beat people over the head with, with, with the way that we feel like they should live their lives. And, and I'm going to tell you something. There's a time until you get a relationship with someone, you can, then you can start talking and speaking truth into them. And I'm, gonna get a, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But love covers a multitude of sins. If you don't like the way someone is acting, why don't you try loving on them instead of kicking them all the time? But they're hard to love. I know. I got people in my life that are hard to love too, including myself. Don't you get no amen down here on the front row. But he said in verse 4, it says, he needed to go through Samaria. The King James Version, which is the most holy version, says he must. It says he must go through Samaria. The word must means obligated to do, not overlook, and required. Let's look what Jesus, how many musts Jesus had. He says, I must be about my father's business. He says in another verse, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. He says in one more, he says, I must preach the gospel to whom I am sent. I really believe in the time that we're living in right now, we need to have a must commitment. We need to have a must attitude. Come on. He says he needed to go through Samaria. And here's the significance of that. Many of the Jews, oh, they went around Samaria. Even though it was the, uh, from point A to point B, it was the quickest route from Jericho to Jerusalem. They often only went around. And you know what? Uh, historians say it was 70 miles out of the way. With gas prices right now, nobody wants to go 70 miles out of the way, right? Can I get an amen on that? I want to go straight where I'm going. I love that thing on Facebook. It says these gas prices are making everybody feel like they're on probation. You go to work and you go home. You might have an ankle bracelet too, but anyway, let's go on. We're not going. But why did they go out of their way? Why did they not like them? Because many years earlier, the Jews had been conquered by the Assyrians. And some of the Jews were intermarrying with these people. And some of the Jews that had been taken off into captivity came back into their place and they found out there was false gods everywhere and there was a mixed race of people. And the Jews, for that reason, looked down upon the Samaritans. They, didn't th they thought they were lesser than, so they went around them. Can I ask you today, who are you going around? Mostly, it's the people. It's not. It's not mostly the people from a radically different uh, culture or on the other side of the world. It's a lot of times it's nearby. It's the person whose skin color right next door to you you can't handle. It's about the person that the language that he doesn't speak or she doesn't speak doesn't go but what you like. It's also we look down on people because of their social statuses. We Christians, like the Jews, look down on people. They're too bad to be saved. Oh, I remember a time when we started a thing called the Refuge Kentucky in Mount Washington. We had every community service from three or four. Oh, don't you remember that, that time? And you know what? The other churches in that area where we're saying, oh, man, look at all. They got all the bad kids. And we were like, bring on the bad kids because Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He was not a respecter of persons. Oh, come on. So many times we look down on people and say they're too bad, and we look at their past, and we look at everything else, and we start knocking our own, uh, our own check marks against them. we got to get away from a let uh, us against them mentality. Who should you, who, what? Listen, sorry. And who should you be going around? 
You have to do, you have to eliminate some problems by staying away from some things and going around things that may cause you harm. Surroundings or situations that could cause you to fail or cause you to quit. So many times we keep going around that same thing that keeps pulling us back. Come on, get an amen on that one. We keep going around that relationship that God said, cut it off. We keep going back to that addiction that God said, I freed you from that, quit doing that. Sometimes you can't go around those things. You know what else you can't go around? You can't go around negativity. Negativity. Oh, that sounds like a good beat there, doesn't it? You can't go around negative people. Do you know what we call them? Energy suckers. <laughs> have you ever walked into a room and all of a sudden you've walking up to somebody and they have just sucked every bit of the life out of you and are sucking the life out of everyone else? And, and you have to sometimes, sometimes that might be somebody in your family. I ain't going to say you might be sitting next to them or anything like that because I don't want to get in trouble this morning. But you got to, sometimes you have to go around, go around people who will do that. But listen, we often go around things in life, often go around things in life, like the process. We go around trials. We go around confrontation. We go around pain. But let me just tell you something this morning. Sometimes we go through things. Sometimes we go through circumstances to get to our destination and our purpose. There are things that you've gone through in your life and that you may be going through right now that's going to get you from point A to point B, uh, point Z, but sometimes all the rest of the alphabet matters to God. And it makes you so much stronger when you go through those things. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley and the trial, listen to me on this, the valley and the trial are made to be walked through, not camped out in. So many times we want to camp out in our misery. We want to camp out in, in the place. That, and God said, I just want you to keep on walking. I don't remember the song, and I said it one time, but if you're going through hell, keep on walking. Sometimes you just, Ashley will probably tell me who sang that afterwards. But listen to me. Here's the rest of that verse. The rest of that verse says, I will fear no evil. So what you're going through right now, you might have fear going through it. But when you're in the middle of it, it says, I'll be with you through your fear. I'll be with you through your circumstances. I'll be with you through the trial that you're going through. He says, it makes us stronger sometimes. There is someone out there that you can affect because you've been there and you've done that. Some people you can't talk to about addiction who's never been addicted. Some of you, you can't talk about something like that if you've never gone through the thing that they do. Somebody needs to hear what you have to say. Listen to me, here we go. Jesus was about to break all the rules for the one. He was about to go against culture, and Jesus really is a rebel. My wife calls Jesus a savage. But say he was savage in his commitment to the truth and compassion for other people. Remember this, he was going through Samaria into a Samaritan village, verse 6. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Say noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and you're asking a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, listen, if you only knew the gift of God he has for you and who you are speaking to, you wouldn't ask me and I would give you the living water. But sir, 
you don't have a rope or a bucket. Here comes the logic. You don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks, listen, of this will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I remember when I moved in the fifth grade to, to, from Chicago, Illinois, where the houses were right next to each other, to the country uh, out in Kentucky, in eastern Kentucky, not just in Kentucky, but eastern Kentucky, I mean, down between two hills. And I remember when we first set the uh, mobile home up there, and we got our water out, and has anybody ever smelled sulfur water? I remember the first time we turned the water ho the water on, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what in the world is that? Well, sulfur water smells like rotten eggs or whatever kind of eggs you want to call them. It smells so bad, and it tastes bad. But listen, right out from the side of that thing, there was a little another well that was dug, and it had a little hand pump on it. Oh, we cleaned that thing out. We started drinking it. That water was so sweet. I'm telling you, from a difference between this well to another well that was just uh, maybe 30 feet away, the water was totally different. That's what Jesus was trying to tell you. You're going to keep going back to that same old well. And you're going to keep drinking that same old water. But until you find the living water, until you find the better water, we didn't want to go to the faucet. We wanted to go to the well outside. That's what Jesus is saying here. He said, I'm, you've been trying all that other stuff, but it's, you're going to have to keep coming back. But the water I'm going to give you is living water. She said, hey, can I have some of that water? Can you give me some of that? And he says to her, he says, she said, first of all, she was tired of coming back to the well. How would you like to come back and carry a water pot all the way back to the city? She said, I'm tired of coming back here. But here's the thing. Jesus recognized the hour, which is about noontime. It was not the normal time that everyone went to the well. Most of the women went to the well in groups, listen to me, in the morning. But she was there at noon by herself. There was something that she was facing, some shame, some embarrassment, some regret that kept her isolated from the other women. Listen, being isolated is the devil's playground. When he isolates you, he dominates you. Isolation makes you feel detached, weak, unworthy, and invisible to someone else. First, that's why you can't get detached from church. That's why you can't get detached from God, first of all. You have to pray, and you have to be in his word, and you have to be in the body because we are better together. Listen, you might be having a bad week, and you're sitting next to someone having a good week, and they need to tell you how good their week's been. It'll counteract how bad your week's been. That's why we're better together. So she was there. She was feeling isolated, shameful, and embarrassed. And Jesus said, he speaks to her. He speaks into her. And some of y'all old school uh, church people, you know, he reads her mail. You ever had your mail read? Some of y'all look at me like, what is he talking about? First of all, he says, go get your husband and come back. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He's like, true. You've had five, and the one you're living right with right now is your boyfriend. All of a sudden, the radar went up. She was like, oh, wow. If you've seen The Chosen, I'm plugging The Chosen again. Here we go. Got to, you need to watch The Chosen. But when he's, Jesus is talking to her, and as soon as he starts reading her mail, man, there's like the light bulb went off in her. She's like, wow, this is truth. There's something going on. And, 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 and 
have you ever had anyone speak truth to you? You ever had somebody speak into your life? I've had people speak into my life that didn't know me. And all of a sudden, as soon as they start speaking, I'm like, okay, I better pay attention because this is from God. On the other hand, I've had people just speak in, spoken into my life and saying, ah, they, it has nothing to do with what's going on with me. But that was not the case here. He told her everything that she needed to hear. She, he hit a bullseye. And she saw something different in Jesus. There was something. He wasn't the normal Jew, and he wasn't a normal man. She'd been let down by men. She'd been let down by relationships. She was empty and she was thirsty. And here's the good thing about Jesus. Jesus looked past her past. He looked past her status. Well, you know, she had, bad, she had three strikes against her. She was a woman. She was a Samaritan. And she was also a sinner to them. Here's what he did. When he looked past that, he offered hope. Hope that she wasn't going to have to be perceived the same way. You know what? Everybody had judged her. They had looked down upon her. They had gossiped about her. There would have been some mean girls coming up. I've never seen an episode of Mean Girls. Anybody watch Mean Girls in here? I'll pray for you all. But there was some mean girls going up, and they were judging her. But giving her hope also that things could change. Giving her hope that she wasn't defined. Listen to this. You got Somebody's got to hear this. That she wasn't defined by her past. You may have something in your past that nobody knows about, but it's still haunting you. Maybe you even brought it to the altar and it still haunts you sometimes. But I just want to let you know there is hope for that. Hope led her to an encounter. And hope can lead you to an encounter today. Maybe you came in here hopeless. Maybe you came in here overwhelmed. Maybe you came in here not knowing which direction to go. But I'm going to let you know that Jesus offers hope in living water. Let's see what happens next when you meet Jesus. Verse 28. The woman left her water pot, which meant her life, and went her way into the city and said to the men, to the men, listen, Jesus never told her to leave that water pot at the well. But something about that encounter with him, something about that, that little conversation she had made her start feeling so much fuller. She decided, I'm never going to use this thing again. And I really don't want any reminders. Oh, come on. I don't want any reminders of me having to come back to the well all the time. Maybe we're not really letting go and leaving it behind. We all have to get rid of the pots in our life. I started to say pot in our life, and I was going to say that. But we have to get rid of the pots in our lives. And you know what those are? They are reminders of the things that we used to be. She could have take that, taken that thing back into town with her and went about the same old business that she'd always done, but she decided to leave it at the well. If Jesus took it, he wants you to leave it. So many times we, we try to pick it back up. Verse 29, she says, Come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. There is power in one, but look what happens when God gets hold of just one. I remember, uh, it's been a few years ago, this family came in here, and I'm going to read it just like it is so I don't mess it up. Lori was invited to she, Lori Hawk, who's living in Florida right now. And she had an encounter with God during that conference, and she invited Jenny to go to the church, which Jenny is, in, Jenny is not in middle school. She's sitting right over here. She's usually in our middle school back here. They attended a few weeks uh, 
for a few weeks, and then they decided to invite me and their kids to start coming with them. After that, the Holy Spirit moved within our family like wildfire. We invited Russell Jones, who invited his sister Judy, and we invited my sister Judy and her son. We invited Robin Jones. In October of 2019, six of us were baptized, one for the first time. Then in January 2020, 2020, two more were baptized, both for the first time. We kept going on. Russell invited his friends, Lynn and Cody, as well as mom and dad, uh, Casey and Kim. My son Thumper started coming, and my friend Michael Lutz started coming because she got invited. A friend, Shelly, our friend Shelly was also baptized. All in all, we went from one to a total of 16. Four seats are vacant, but only because two have moved to Miami and two are in Morgantown. We're still praying for the rest and still inviting the rest of them. Come on, can you give it up? One family is a domino effect, and it starts with one. So I'm telling you, there is power in one. Verse 39, and I'm almost done. You all are probably saying, I hope he is. It says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed with them two days. And many more believed because of his own words. So she brought them to Jesus, right? Sometimes it's all you got to do is make an invite to come to church. Sometimes you just have to say, hey, can you come to my small group or can you come here? And then it says they believed him because what Jesus said out of his own mouth. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, verse 42, not because of what you said, but we see it for ourselves. Sometimes you have to see it for yourself to believe in it. She was not a preacher. She had a lot of things against her. But listen, the one thing she did is she had an encounter with Jesus that changed everything. The one woman, her testimony changed many lives. The power of the Holy Spirit can do that in you too. You may think that you're insignificant. You may think that I can't do anything. But I'm going to tell you what, with you plus the Holy Spirit is powerful. But you have to allow him to be that way. You might ask, does one really matter? Listen to this. One in 1,100 commit suicide each day. 14 to 25 is high, has a higher, higher rate. One in 1,200 die because of alcohol and drug abuse. One in six teens get pregnant. It's a little bit lower because one in, eight get an, one in three get an abortion. One in two d- families divorce and families, and our families are a mess. But what can we do and where can we start? Well, we got to get out of our comfort zone. We have to go around the people that we need to be around. Sometimes we don't feel comfortable in doing those things, but you got, it may not even look like the normal time. Jesus met her at an abnormal time. Sometimes you got to talk to that waitress and you got to talk to that person in Kroger. You got to talk to your coworker. You have to talk to those people and tell them how good God has been to you. Ministry is wherever you are. And here's what he did. He just said, give me a drink. Pretty simple, right? I said it last week. Have a conversation. Can I get a drink? Let them talk and don't overcomplicate it. Again, if you can't tell your testimony in about two to three minutes, you better learn how to tell your testimony in about two to three minutes. Because people are turning you off like they're turning me off. Hurry up, get done, preacher. But we got to offer hope to this hopeless world. And also the big thing is you got to build relationships one-on-one. If you build relationships with people, truth follows. If you don't know them, you can't judge them. But if you get to know them, you can be able to speak truth into their life. And a lot of times when people get to know you a little bit better, they're going to accept that from you. And also be led by the Spirit. It's about the one. At some point, listen, you got to understand 
That was number three, sorry. Uh, at that point, you have to understand that you were that lost sheep. Now you get to play a role in bringing the lost sheep to Jesus. Look what you did just in a, just in a week. You invited someone to friends. You, had, you got your friends and you got your family here today. And all it takes is just one invite. But here's the biggest thing, Christians. All it takes is you living your life out loud in front of people. Sometimes you don't have to have the greatest testimony in the life. Sometimes your life is your testimony. So I'm going to ask you all if you would stand with me, please. In this story, it shows Jesus' love and his heart for all people, not just some. This woman, she had three strikes against her, right? She was a woman. Her marital status was down, and she was also a sinner, according to them. But he talked to her. Here's the difference. He talked to her so lovingly. He spoke to her so directly and without judgment. It got her attention. This story is an example of love, of truth, because he spoke the truth, of redemption and acceptance. But not only does Jesus accept her, I got news for someone today. He accepts you. Maybe you came in here today and you felt beat down and maybe you felt like, man, <sighs> the ceilings of the church are going to fall on me. I've had those, those times. I don't know if I should be in here or not. But I'm going to let you know that he came for you. And he wants to be in your life. Maybe you've come here and you feel like you've been going back to that same old well and you've been drinking that same old water and you want something today. I got good news for you. He came for you. He went out of his way for you, and he's still doing that. He's sitting by the well this morning. He's sitting by the well of this altar this morning. He's sitting by the well with the prayer team this morning. He's sitting here waiting for you to come by. And even if it's not, even if it's not the normal hour, he doesn't care. He's going out of his way for you.